Welcome to The Policy Shop, weekly conversations with public policy experts where we'll dive into the most important issues affecting all of us here in Illinois. I'm Hillary Gowans. Let's get started. Welcome back to The Policy Shop. If property tax increases continue at their recent rate, commercial property owners will shell out an additional $1.8 billion in annual property taxes by 2026. And the bulk of that increase about $1.6 billion will occur in Cook County. Property taxes will be at the top of the ballot on November 8th when voters decide the fate of Amendment 1. Here to break down the connection between Amendment 1 and your property taxes is Austin Berg, Vice President at the Illinois Policy Institute. Austin, welcome. Thanks, Hill. Thanks for having me. Of course, it's always great to talk with you. And you have really been making the rounds on Amendment 1 and helping people understand what the heck this issue is all about, which of course, as we know, is property taxes, right? Yeah, that's the number one thing people have to know about this amendment. So we talked to, our team spoke with a woman two or three weeks ago, Reverend Binion, you're aware of her story. She bought a house in Park Forest for $98,000, South suburbs of Chicago. And the first property tax bill in the house was $14,000, which is just unimaginable. And that's a really sad story about what she experienced, but she is far from alone in experiencing these extraordinarily high property tax bills. Um, Illinoisans are paying the second or first highest property tax bills in the country. And the question that Amendment 1 drives at is why are these property tax bills so high? And the reason they're so high is because of the deals that are cut between government unions and politicians at the state and at the local level. In Chicago, for example, the agreement between the Chicago Public Schools and the Chicago Teachers Union, that costs in the neighborhood of $2 billion a year, $2 billion with a B. And that's something, that's an agreement that was between government and government union leaders, like taxpayers didn't have a seat at that table. And we see these property taxes rise and rise and rise year after year. And what Amendment 1 does is it gives extraordinary new power in the Constitution to government unions to bargain for whatever they want, really anything under the sun. And uh, that is going to result in much higher property tax bills for Illinoisans, and that those are bills that they cannot afford to see rise. And and especially with this new finding, so our uh, policy team did the math and calculated that by 2026, these commercial property taxes could jump by nearly $2 billion. Um, and we also reported the other day that Tyson became the sixth major employer to take jobs out of Illinois. Um, and so when we talk about property taxes, that's one of those pain points that businesses, job creators, big and small alike, are really struggling with as they decide how they want to move forward with their operations in Illinois. So how is this going to play out if Amendment 1 does pass? Amendment one, if it passes, will solidify Illinois' reputation as one of the worst places in the country to do business. And that's not just for the big corporate change like like a, like a Tyson or you know financial service sector like a Citadel or something like that. It is for every small business in the state. And that really is going to show up, one, in the quality of their government services, that's going to go down, but most importantly, the cost of their government um, you know, relative to that quality. So they're going to be paying more and getting less from their government. And the sad thing about, you know, like a manufacturer uh, versus, you know, a financial service business, if you just put out a shingle and you're, you know, a tax attorney or something, you can pick up stakes and leave the state if you feel like the business climate is bad. 
if you have you know 400 two-ton presses in your warehouse your cost of moving is so high so a lot of these guys are just going to stay and get hit and hire less provide less great jobs for illinois especially that ladder up to the middle class that you see in the manufacturing sector if this were to pass the other effect that it has on workers and like they're they're portraying this as the workers rights amendment workers are going to be paying more too in property tax bills that is a real pay cut every time your property tax bill goes up and bryce on our team crunched these numbers you're going to see an estimated this is a low-end estimate of what property taxes are going to do over the next four years every part of the state cook you're seeing property tax bills up twenty nine hundred dollars over the next four years dupage more than twenty one hundred dollars cane over $2,200, Lake over $2,300. Again, this is money for groceries, it's money for medical bills, it's money for school supplies. Instead, it's gonna to go to property taxes. And it's not just the collar counties, you look downstate, Madison, over $600 increase in property taxes because of Amendment 1. Over $800 in St. Clair County, about $900 in Sangamon County, over $1,000 in Champaign County. And then if you look over in the Rock Island area, over $1,000 in property tax increases. So this is going to hit property tax bills all across the state if Amendment 1 passes. Yeah, you you talked about, um, well, we're both talking about business taxes, obviously. Uh, we spoke with a woman recently who owns an edible arrangements in the suburbs. And when she was 27, she decided she wanted to take a risk and own her own business. Um, so to get started, she needed a business front. So she found uh, that running was going to be really expensive. And she decided, you know what, I really want to invest and I'm going to buy a property instead of renting. So she bought a place in Oak Park for $320,000. Um, she told us that the previous owners paid about like $9,000 um, when they, they, they were, the, the building was vacant when she bought it. So that, that rate was the vacant rate. So she's paying about, they were paying about $9,000. So she knew she would end up paying about $18,000 when the, the building was occupied. Um, but then she said to us that her first year property taxes were $29,000 for that $320,000 investment for her business. And I think that people sometimes think we're making this stuff up. But when we talk to so many business owners, which we all have, um, they tell us the same thing over and over again. And so to me, it just, it's really heartbreaking because to, to do what this woman did, you have to really hustle and work hard and not just that, but you have to really want to invest in Illinois because this is yeah, our home and this is her home. And so that's, what's really just the worst to hear over and over again. And I know you've spoken with so many people who say the same thing. Yeah, it's a it's a huge risk that people take in starting their own business. And when you have a line item that's $29,000 a year and you're not really seeing much benefit from that line item and you also are so unsure about how much it's going to grow, that money has to come from somewhere, one, and it's not going back into the business. It's not going to employee wages. Uh, but two, that uncertainty prevents you from making new investments or hiring more people or taking more risk. So it's sort of an anchor on the weight of the business community, big and small in Illinois. Um, and people don't really talk about that. And so what the proponents are doing is this really misleading argument of workers get all these new rights where, and it's so misleading because one, it's only gonna apply to the government sector that get these new bargaining rights. Only people who work for the government are gonna have more bargaining rights. Uh, that's only 7% of the workforce, 93% of workers 
nothing changes for them at all. And then the second thing is that 100% of these workers are going to be paying these higher and higher bills uh, because there's no limit on what politicians are going to give away to government unions. Yeah, the spin has been really interesting on this, and it always is with these ballot fights, and we've been through this a few times now. Um, you've gotten to sort of face off against the main spokesperson for the Vote Yes camp, this guy, Joe Bowen, who I believe he's from Michigan, has spent most of his career in Texas politics, and now he's here running this very expensive union fight for Amendment 1. Now, you've said he's actually a really nice guy, which is great because sometimes we face off with people who don't want to play nice and, and that's no fun. But what do you think are some of the um, biggest, well, what are some of the things that are the most misleading uh, in terms of how Vote Yes folks are trying to sell this amendment? So there was a real, we both did a WGN debate and uh, the really interesting question that Paul Lisnack, the political reporter there asked the proponents was, listen, people who say this is a bad idea say property taxes are gonna go up, income taxes are gonna go up, sales taxes are gonna go up because someone has to pay for all of these new bargained for benefits in the government sector. What do you say to that? And the response was really interesting he simply said, well, we don't have a crystal ball, so we don't know how these negotiations are going to go. Uh, and why wouldn't you just say, no, it's not gonna hike property taxes. And the reason is because that would be on its face such an absurd argument when framed correctly as Paul did, which is that there are new powers at the bargaining table for, for uh, just government workers over taxpayer money. Of course, and this is what they're saying. They're saying, well, this is gonna give you higher wages, it's gonna get more benefits, all this stuff. That costs something. And so when you have new powers, those come with new costs. Uh, so they can't really answer this property tax question at all. And what they'll pivot to is, you know, every worker deserves rights. And yeah, no duh, of course. Every worker should be should have protections. Every worker should have rights. They have some of the strongest protections in the nation, in Illinois, which is great. But to say that this somehow, if it's if it's struck down, workers have no rights, which is totally false. They don't lose anything. And conversely, that if it passes, they get tons of new rights. That's false because it only applies to the government sector. So the history, I just want to ask you one more question before we, we sign off here. But um, the, the history of how Amendment 1 ended up on the ballot is really interesting if you follow Illinois politics, which you have for a while now. Um, a, a previous version of what ended up on our ballots actually was much more tame, right? It was just a right to work ban. Um, can you sort of walk us through the history of how we ended up here? Because I do think that this is such an interesting story. Yeah, so uh, it sort of starts back with um, the previous uh, governor's administration had an idea for local right to work zones. And what right to work means is that workers can't be fired for paying money to a union. And that politically totally failed. And un uh, government unions especially saw that as a major threat. And they uh, had a constitutional amendment written that says, in the Illinois constitution, we can never pass right to work. And uh, that was introduced and it was not passed. Right to work is a totally different 
debate to have, right? So no, 27 or 28 states have right to work. No state bans right to work in its constitution. We would have been the only one. Uh, and this would be a completely different conversation if Amendment 1 was just about banning right to work. There's four provisions in Amendment 1. The right to work ban is just one of them. They added a ton of other stuff. It's not like the original right to work ban uh, that was that 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 failed. What passed has these extraordinary new powers just for government unions. And that, that specifically, they get to bargain over this very broad, undefined term called economic welfare, which is far beyond wages and benefits. It's wages, benefits, and economic welfare. So it opens up this Pandora's box of unlimited bargaining subjects. And that is really the mechanism by which cost of government is going to go up. So right to work is one discussion, and people can totally have that debate. Uh, even if you're in, even if you oppose right to work, you have plenty of reasons to vote no on Amendment One because it's going to increase the cost of government. If you want a right to work ban in Illinois, go back to the sponsors and say limit this to right to work. Um, that's not what they did, though. They they tossed in a bunch of other new powers that are very very costly. Why do you think the previous watered down version that was just about a right to work ban failed and this passed? Good question. Uh, I have no clue what the reason was that that first one didn't pass. I think part of it, um, and I need to make sure, if, I think I, my timing is right on this. They did not want to have two constitutional amendments in the 2020 election. And I think 2019 was when the right to work ban was introduced. In 2020, people rem might remember J.B. Pritzker spent $55 million trying to convince people to remove the flat income tax protection in the Illinois Constitution. So unions wanted this right to work ban. and um, J.B. Pritzker, my guess, um, and his allies said, no, we are focusing everything on the progressive income tax. We don't want to confuse people. We just want one thing on the ballot. So that didn't happen. And then in very right after the 2020 election, this new version gets introduced with all littered with all of these other um, powers and, and, you know, much broader authority. I lied. Last question for real, I think. Uh, you mentioned spending. How much has the Vote Yes camp spent? And how much has the vote no camp put into this campaign? So we can know how much they've raised. That's pretty easy to find out. So the vote yes has raised from government unions and private unions almost $14 million for a yes vote. The vote no side, which is led by folks like us um, at Illinois Policy, we have a separate ballot committee that does this work, has raised a little over a million. So for all this talk about, you know, dark money infiltrating Illinois politics, um, it's really interesting that the self-interested parties that are stand to make millions of dollars from this passing because they'll get better deals with government, they're spending 10x, 5 to 10x as much as the people fighting for taxpayers trying to stop it. And the good thing is that, you know, we're much smarter with how that money is spent. We don't expect it every year like union leaders do because they have workers who are just going to have to pay them no matter what, uh, or, or it's make, they make it very difficult to not pay them. Um, so we're going to be smarter and we're going to work harder uh, and our message is better and more truthful. So we're hoping at the end of the day that that, that wins out. All right. Well, Austin, you've been at the forefront of of not just this fight, but also the fight to kill the progressive tax. And it's been so fun to work with you and learn from you. So thanks so much for your expertise on this issue. 
Thanks for joining us for today's episode. To keep up with all of our work at the Illinois Policy Institute and to sign up for our newsletter, visit IllinoisPolicy.org. If you like what you heard today, subscribe and give us a five-star review. We'll see you next week for another episode of The Policy Shop.